Gentlemen, good evening. Dobrovecha from Tallinn. We're we're here. We're just waiting for Val. Yeah. Did I get your uh, your service at the SBU right? Twenty fourteen to twenty nineteen. Was that correct? I saw it twice. As I had of SBU, first it was two thousand seven uh, till Yanukovych, uh, two thousand and ten, and second time after the Revolution of Dignity, two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen. Nice. Okay. Great. And now I am as a member of the of, of Ukrainian Parliament. Okay, that's excellent. So I got the dates wrong. Sorry, I'm, I stand corrected. And thank you so so much for taking the time to be here. As you know, uh, it's an important thank space you for, for invitation. a lot of people. We've, re- we've reached over 100 million people through various means and impressions. I'm not exactly sure what that all means. I'm not an internet uh, guru, but uh, it's important. And we've had some of your ambassadors on, as you know. Uh, we've had head of um, the Ukrainian Railways, uh, fire chief from Kharkiv, uh, and all sorts of everyday Ukrainians. And so it's it's a pleasure and an honor to have you here because I think you have a lot of insight uh, into into what's going on for people who are unaware of SBU. Can you just tell our audience what the SBU is and what, what it does in Ukraine? Thank you. That's my pleasure, my honor. Thanks, uh, Jason, and everybody who helped me to join you guys. And let me share with you what the uh, Parliament of Ukraine knows and uh, does uh, and is doing in, the, in, in these circumstances. First, on uh, these uh, Russian sham referendums, we call them sham, uh, referendums uh, for quite obvious reasons. Since 2014, you mentioned uh, my period of uh, being a uh, second time head of SBU. For me, it's quite familiar uh, Russian uh, agenda and Russian, uh, let's say, tools, how they try to use uh, such sham referendums in uh, Luhansk, Donetsk cities, and now plan to do the same uh, Luhansk, Donetsk, and Kherson city just to hide what actually they really uh, do and what are really their real plans as imperialistic state, as imperialistic uh, government, as imperialistic crazy Putin, what he is doing since 24th of February this year. So briefly, what we know is that Behind these sham, uh, sham referendums uh, is the only one reason to keep those temporarily occupied territories, to keep them occupied. And that is, by the way, the reason why finally today Putin this morning in Russia announced uh, the partial mobilization. Guys, for us, for all, let's make it clear in those Lugansk, Donetsk, and other temporal occupied territories, this is not a mobil- mobilization. This is impression. Imper- um, yeah, um, uh, impression. Uh, so forcible mobilization with uh, no uh, similarities to like ordinary or uh, classical uh, military mobilization. Is impressment. Now I found the word. This is a real impressment when they force young people under the occupation to join their troops without any training, without even uh, munition uh, or whatever is necessary for regular uh, army in any other uh, country. That's, uh, that is why they actually try to m- make those uh, uh, sham referendums uh, a little bit earlier this September, starting 20, 23rd, I think, in, in two or three days, in Kherson and then till 27th 
of uh, this uh, month, uh, 27th of September, somewhere in Luhansk and Donetsk. So that is uh, the occupation and, and plan of Putin is to keep those territories occupied, uh, showing for Russians, for Russian citizens, okay, through uh, these uh, TV propaganda channels, uh, Russian TV propaganda, to show for uh, Russian citizens that this kind of... Uh, uh, Russian democracy, uh, referendums were carried out, and uh, now it's kind of justifi justification for Russian troops to keep them there to protect what? To protect uh, Russian territories as they uh, would like and uh, definitely will uh, start to, to say uh, since 23rd of September of this year. Jason, you wanted to have a quick question in between. Why don't you... Sure. Valentin, I'm glad to see you. Hope you're well. Glad uh, to hear, my friend. Yeah. Long time no talk. Um, so I was going long to... Long time no see. Yeah. Long time no see. This is true. So I'll see you soon, though, in Kiev. Um, just a quick question. What? So when you were leading the SBU in uh, 2014, when Russia's initial invasion began, uh, maybe you could talk about that a little bit, how it was leading up to that, what they saw, what the Americans said. What was the situation before the invasion of 2014? And uh, just because it's a very interesting historical note in contrast to the historical in contrast to the invasion of 2022. Uh, maybe you could mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So 2014, when the uh, first, uh, first stage of Russian invasion, uh, invasion began, it was uh, February, I think, March. 2014, they started in Crimea and uh, same time simultaneously in Donetsk and Luhansk uh, regions. How they started? They started with FSB and GRU, Special Services of Russia. They've activated their agents, uh, their people uh, in uh, those uh, Ukrainian territories, while a lot of Ukrainians were uh, at the Maidan uh, during, at the Revolution of Dignity. Uh, participating like me and others, uh, Russia really started with the, their special services, but very actively using and uh, let's say getting uh, into this process local authorities. And why Lugansk and Donetsk? Because of party of regions, because this political force and party used to be the ally or even uh, I would say, asset of uh, Russian special services for many years through financing, through influence, through other tools uh, being used by Kremlin. So it was kind of uh, their uh, absolutely uh, guided um, administrations, even Ukrainian local authorities, again, after the, uh, after, under the uh, Yanukovych as a president. And President Yanukovych himself, ex-president Yanukovych himself, uh, as we all know, uh, uh, turned to be a Russian um, instrument in Ukraine as well. So comparing to what is happening now in Ukraine uh, since 24th of February, Putin started real uh, military invasion. Uh, the, uh, and for us all, let's mention Kherson, how now Russian special service uh, working in brackets and what they are doing in Kherson, temporarily occupied by Russian army. They've opened uh, several jails, but not classical, uh, let's say, or uh, any 
ordinary penitentiary uh, station or um, uh, any uh, something like uh, jail, they opened KGB and NKVD style of jails with uh, no electricity, with the electrocution, uh, using electricity for torturing people, and started questioning, interviewing, and torturing civilians in Kherson as a preparatory instrument for their sham referendum, Jason, and everybody. This is how it looks, uh, like, uh, how it looks like now, in 2022, in Ukraine, in Kherson. And by frightening, by using tortures, by torturing civilians in Kherson, they are spreading the, uh, these fears in uh, Kherson and uh, among local civilians before the referendum and uh, saying clearly, uh, look, if you will not support the occupational administration, if you will not be loyal to us, so you'll be uh, dying like uh, those people whom you uh, know, who used to be your neighbors uh, yesterday, but today they are under, uh, let's say, illegal and very criminal uh, interviewing and again being kept in absolutely uh, inhuman conditions in those uh, illegal jails. This is uh, one example, one instrument, how Russia is uh, frightening local Ukrainians and what is really behind these sham referendums. And of course, for us all, Putin never mentioned this. They'll never uh, tell anybody what is going on, going on uh, re- in reality uh, in uh, those temporarily occupied Ukrainian cities and uh, towns. This is the difference, well, Jason. Yeah, one more difference just briefly to mention. Uh, that is my job and uh, my colleagues in 2014, Russia tried to justify their invasion by uh, downing Malaysia and Boeing. You remember this terrorist act and Russia brought into Ukraine illegally into temporarily occupied territory of Donetsk region, Russian book M1 missile system and used it against uh, passenger uh, jet. And uh, it was uh, used by Russia or they tried to use this uh, terrorist act as a kind of uh, justification. Uh, okay, see, this is the terrorist act uh, committed by Ukrainians. That's why we, what, we are now occupying uh, Donetsk and Lugansk region. But we uh, successfully investigated this terrorist act, and now in Hague, I'm happy to say that this is one of the final here, court hearings where clearly the International Court in Hague uh, stated who is uh, responsible and who is guilty in this terrorist uh, terroristic crime. Thank you for that. Val, I just want to give context in the audience for a couple of points real quickly. So the reason Please. why the Russians are doing the referenda, and just if you want to get, we'll do rapid, like yes or no, just to get the audience up to speed. Okay. Um, the reason why the Russians want to do referenda is they want to declare that Russian territory and they want to declare any attack on Russian territory to be a step up the escalation ladder, correct? Correct, both, both. Uh, so, so, so to the audience, the reason why they're so eager to do these sham, like these bogus, they're not referendum. They're, it doesn't matter what Absolutely. the result is. Absolutely. It was this is not, nothing to do with referendums. Nothing, nothing to do with the democracy. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised the numbers aren't 110% of agreed, right? The Russians just make things up. Um, but the reason why they're doing it is they want to say to the West, 
if you think Ukraine is going to attack Russian territory, we're going to up the ante and we're going to go even more. It's just a scam. It's to, it's a scare tactic. Is is that a fair assessment, Val? Yes, absolutely. This Excellent. is Putin's scare tactics. Hundred percent. Now, uh, question because people have asked, and and you're the you're the person to ask. I got to be honest, with you. you're definitely the person to ask. A lot of people, especially military, who've come up under the space when they talk about the first week of the war, this of the second part of this invasion, obviously 2014 being the first. When they talk about February, the last weeks of February, early weeks of March, um, they talked about what a what a garbage, which is how how horrible, uh, and 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 what a the, the exact opposite of military professionalism. And a lot of people said that they suspected that the Russians, uh, like Putin was given misinformation that the Ukrainians would welcome them and they didn't, they didn't really come in on a strong military posture. They said that, that there were collaborators that were paid off probably or that they, the money that was spent properly and that's why they had the fake assessments. What's your take on that if you could in, in a bit? Yeah, I confirm. Uh, the, at the beginning of this war, of this invasion, uh, definitely Kremlin uh, and Putin himself were given absolutely uh, non-adequate uh, information from FSB and their agents from Medvedchuk and his uh, party and other pro-Russian uh, parties and politicians, and not only politicians in Ukraine. That's true. So do, wouldn't that wouldn't that make those guys, uh, you know, in big trouble back in Russia? Wouldn't wouldn't the Kremlin be saying, "Wait a minute, we gave you all this money to bribe everyone, and none of it's happened"? I mean, are those people gone? Are they out the window, so to speak, and literally and figuratively? Yeah, I, uh, at least in March and maybe in April, uh, we heard a lot of uh, information. Me myself, uh, not only official, but as well as from other sources that. In FSB, the fifth service of FSB, Russian Special Service, uh, got uh, a lot of troubles, and uh, some generals were, let's say, not under the arrest, but were detained, and under, they used to be under their investigation and anti-corruption investigation as well. Because as a budget, uh, approximately, they spent uh, up to $5 billion for this anti-Ukrainian activity before the invasion. And they had spent for, for media, for political parties, for their dachas, for their luxury buildings, uh, even yachts. Uh, so that's uh, how it was. How delusional is Putin and the rest of the higher-ups there if they actually thought, even with that, you know, the bribe money, they thought Ukrainians writ large would just welcome them in? Like they really thought that, eh? You know, that's uh, the um, how... Putin is uh, these days and these years even. He believes in what he would like to, want to believe. And uh, Fesby, and not only Fesby, everybody who is close to him simply provide him with uh, such information. You want to believe that uh, it's okay to take Kiev over within three days? Okay, you get this information. This, I think this is auto, auto, any autocracy, any dictatorship, uh, sooner or later uh, ends with uh, only one uh, dictator and only such information is uh, can be given. That's what happened to Putin and his regime as well. Okay, let's switch gears a bit. Um, I, I'm curious, when it comes to the obvious genocide that the Russians are conducting, I mean, it's, it's clear, we, we know that whatever is in Russian uh, control right now, when Ukrainians retake all of that land, they're going to find more mass graves 
What do you, do you think that the, do you think that we, we get a lot of criticism uh, we have people criticize media, Western media. What, what do you think, could there be more done to highlight this genocide? And obviously it should make people, you know, if they're not supporting Ukraine enough now, they would. Do you think there's more that the West or we even here in this space that can do to highlight that? Or do you think it's, do you think it's the most important thing right now? Or, or do you think it's something that needs to be dealt with later? What could be done more to highlight the genocide that's going on, in your opinion? To highlight the genocide, to um, uh, make public each and every uh, crime against humanity committed by Russian troops, by Russian uh, whoever they are, uh, occupators here in Ukraine. They have studied in Bucha, Irpin. Uh, you heard what happened in Izum, Kharkiv, uh, Kharkiv region. We gonna uh, know all of us uh, soon about Mariupol, mass graves and uh, shootings and killings there and tortures. So this is uh, genocide, definitely, a large scale uh, at the territory where Russian troops uh, happened to be or to stay. And what definitely uh, should be done, uh, as a member of parliament, I am sure that international court and international prosecutors, uh, let, let's help them to do their jobs, to collect uh, evidence of uh, crimes against humanity and genocide. And in the, in the parliament, I and my colleagues, parliamentarians, we are voted to simply uh, fight for international court and international prosecutors to work at the Ukrainian land to, uh, say, collect and to um, carry out all procedural and other things necessary for the tribunal, for the international court uh, on uh, Russian regime and Putin himself and every his military commander. Nice. And Jason got a question, but just real quick. Um, uh, you're, not, you're not in Zelensky's party, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> but but, but, no. Party. but now it's, it doesn't matter. No, that, but no, that, that was my question. I, I, my question, my, my point I wanted to make for the audience, how are Ukrainians of all political stripes who didn't vote for Zelensky, uh, how are they, what's your, how is, what's your impression? How, how are you rallying around him for the cause of Ukraine? Uh, me, myself, I voted for Zelensky because presidential elections uh, was, uh, were before the parliament, uh, par- par- parliament elections. Now I am in Batkivshina faction. But what is now in Ukrainian parliament, we are all together united. No difference what faction is it in all and every issue on national security and defense. Amazing. And what I'm telling you and our, our let's say, colleagues, this is what uh, is uh, being supported by 100% of the Ukrainian parliament. No, that's amazing. If you could retweet the space, let everyone know we're speaking with Valentin. Uh, and he's a parliamentarian, former SBU head. Uh, it's important to get the message out. Valentin, a lot of detractors. We get a, we, you, would it surprise you if I told you we get a lot of Russian trolls and people who oh. hate Ukraine? Okay, you're not surprised. I'm very right? favorite in the, in the <laughs> at, at my FB page, please. Oh, I love it. Hundreds, thousands every day. Yeah, they yeah. are still love me. They're, that's, they're busy. It's very mutual. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me ask you that. They come in and say, "Oh, the Ukrainian Parliament—they banned everyone, and no one can speak." And we've said, "No, uh, the, the Ukrainian government and people in Parliament have all rallied behind the president." Um, and, uh, and, and what do you say to those people who try to make it look like uh, Zelensky is a neo-Nazi? 
No, 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 that's not true. I'm a representative of opposition before the war, but when the enemy attacks your country, there is no opposition anymore. The, we are really united, there's no doubt. And uh, let's say not only Ukraine, for those who from Russia would like to follow us, uh, they can see within 10 hours after the Putin's order or decree on uh, mobilization, partial mobilization as they call it, the whole United Nations General Assembly, Assembly, is uni Assembly is united against Putin and against this war. So anti-Putin coalition currently is uh, holding a meeting, General Assembly, where? In New York City. This is, wow, yeah. this uh, happened first time after Hitler, I think, uh, anti-Hitler Hitler coalition. That's how Amazing. the world and Ukraine is united against the aggression. So we're talking a lot about uh, one of the propaganda points. And because, you know, in your job, you obviously had to deal with propaganda. Um, you know, I, you know, obviously, you know, hosting this space with all of our moderators, you have 35 moderators from around the world, all doing this for free. We're, we're all supporting Ukraine. I unfortunately get a lot of anti-Semitism. Uh, I'm Jewish, obviously. Um, and uh, I get comments about eating babies and pedophiles and, and neo-Nazism. Um, how does it feel to, that your president is a, is a Jewish neo-Nazi? <laughs> Uh, one more thing for you to know today, now, this day, this night in Ukraine, 4,000 Hasids, uh, Jewish people in Uman, uh, celebrate the Hoshashan, I think, this is the, the new year, or, uh, staying here with us, even yep. despite the war. 4,000 all around the world, from the United States, from Israel, from Russia, even. Yeah. That's yeah, no, it's, uh, there's a, a sacred pilgrimage site in Uman. And, uh, and and usually tens of thousands go each year, but I guess yeah. it's a little shorter but this year. It's still but how silly many. is it? How, how, you're, you're a former head of the SBU. You've seen more things than most people will ever see in their lifetime. How ridiculous is it when you see Lavrov get on Italian TV and make a story? I mean, are, are Russians, I know it sounds mean to say, are they this ignorant? That they're really going to buy a story from the foreign minister that says that Ukraine is run by neo-Nazis and they have a neo-Nazi Jewish president. When he was called out on it, he said, well, Jews, Jews are the worst neo-Nazis. Um, is, is it beyond the pale? Does, does Lavrov even believe this stuff? Uh, is, this, is this just a joke? How do you look at this? This is uh, Russian propaganda and a lot of money from gas and oil trade. And uh, believe me, the only way to cut it down and uh, uh, stop this fake news and uh, this Russian propaganda is not to pay so much for their gas and oil, and not to let Gazprom finance all the, uh, not only uh, corruption of Russian leadership, but also special services, special operations, special influence operations, and many, many uh, bribed, uh, corrupt politicians uh, all around the world, in Europe as well. So the only way to cut it, to cut it down, not to let uh, them earn so huge money uh, in uh, in Europe, in the United States, and other countries, and then to use the these money against these countries, against uh, their democracies, against Ukraine, uh, sending more and more uh, the, the Russian troops against us. Excellent. So you would say, in a nutshell, the propaganda is it, it doesn't you know it's going to keep coming. And the only way to really cut it off is you know the West needs to make a uh, unified stance follow through with it to cut off all Russian energy sources, correct? Money, money, yeah. The question of money. 
to huge resources and huge uh, amounts of money that's actually uh, opened the uh, way and doors for Russia today for any other uh, Russian news uh, financed uh, by uh, again Gazprom or Russian government uh, on this energy money the, the, the i think those sanctions and changes in energy policy all around the world will definitely limit uh, possibilities for Russia to uh, carry out such hostile propaganda to undermine uh, societies in Europe in other countries in Ukraine as well thank you for that i i do have a bunch of questions i got i want to switch gears again if you don't mind uh, these are questions mm-hmm. also we've gotten from the crowd yes. over time um look so from a military perspective yes the the russians have a lot and and in the military it's said that there's a particular quality to quantity sometimes it doesn't matter how bad they are if you have a ton of them it might just be a problem however we've seen the russians underwhelm the world i think the mask is off you know countries that thought that russian machinery and doctrine was the best have obviously had to rethink things and they've obviously thought to themselves yes. this is not yes. true Here's here's an interesting question that I you obviously can't you know if you can you can answer it great. Um one one part of power is also, you know, intelligence and FSBs and all those things. Is the is the FSB similar in the sense that are their capabilities degraded like the military has been have after the Soviet Union ended obviously things changed. Uh, is 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 the Russian ability to conduct uh intelligence abroad is that the same as it used to be because I personally think When people said, "Oh, um, the Russians didn't shut off uh the electricity grids and they didn't do this like they did in 2014 where they're playing havoc with Ukrainian systems and infrastructure." And I said, "Oh, I'm sure they tried, but I have a feeling the SBU and and the technical services that that defend this the cybersecurity that defends Ukraine was just better." Is that fair to say that, you know, I'm not, you know, FSB is not what it used to be, is it still, you know, or is it not and is the SBU just better? Now FSB is not is limited of course and uh, it's nothing to to do to say even to compare what it used to be before before the invasion and especially at Yanukovych time when they really uh, acquired a lot of uh, possibilities and agents in Ukraine of one example which is uh, not a secret anymore in 2013 a Russian FSB worked in uh, Ukrainian SBU security service of Ukraine cyber defense department by their own staff so they brought russian officers and yanukovych let them work in uh, SBU again uh, cyber defense department so can you imagine the uh, losses i can tell you that they've stolen all data on uh, military personnel of ukraine on of ukrainian army ukrainian special services and uh, about everybody so that was really a disaster now it's nothing to compare with this uh, situation now sbu is much stronger especially when zelensky finally fired uh, the head of the previous head of sbu um and what is m- even more uh, positive thing happened is that uh, uh our army our territorial defense battalions our um, police and our cyber uh, services really now are capable and much more equi- better equipped with the international assistance by the way this is nothing uh, this is not a secret by the that the united states united kingdom poland 
provided and still uh, provide, uh, are providing a lot of technical assistance uh, for us to be more capable uh, in the cyber defense. And cyber defense and cyber war in Ukraine, we definitely win. Definitely. Uh, so they did try. Uh, to they, what they, they happens did, to... They did yeah. try, right, Val? They did try. Yeah, they are trying every day and every night. Right. But they are now uh, absolutely, like, uh, for them it's impossible to get any, uh, let's say, visible result. We are not so, now much stronger, much stronger. So, it's, so February 23, uh, the Russians must have tried a huge kind of action against Ukraine just before the invasion, correct? Yeah, correct. And, and, and you guys, you guys fought off because I know that you increased cyber in a, to in a ridiculous fashion in the, in yep. the, in the, yeah. So that's amazing because yeah. a lot, you know what? A lot of people were saying, you know, the detractors and the Putinists, oh, if he wanted to, he could have done this. He didn't want to hurt Ukraine. And that's nonsense. He, he just couldn't. Do you think they're freaking out in Russia, wondering what happened? What happened to all of our capabilities? They must be shocked. Uh, shocked, of course, yeah. But, but uh, again, uh, I, don't, I don't know who is uh, telling that Putin or his army is not trying to devastate and to destroy uh, infrastructure in Ukraine. From the very first night of this war, they have uh, hit it by missiles, uh, Kiev, Kiev region, and other uh, f- facilities around uh, the capital. They still every night uh, launching and hitting by missiles, uh, Nikopol, uh, Dnipro, Zaporizhia, and our cities, Kharkiv, by the way, Mykolaiv. And uh, what is uh, what we see latest during, especially September, they started intentionally and knownly attack by missiles dumps and other hydro uh, facilities uh, in uh, Ukrainian cities. They try to cause two things. First, the blackout and the panic among civilians. This is clearly like terrorist, uh, let's say, uh, tactics uh, now uh, what uh, Russian army is doing in Ukraine. Amazing. Jason wanted to jump in. Jason? Valentin, I think it's actually yeah, perhaps yeah. a very illustrative story if you could tell them when you came to SBU uh, the second time, uh, how you removed all of the Russian agents, how you removed all the communist uh, background and your 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 lust, uh, your desire to take out all of these elements of Russia, um, how that process was and, and what happened in the course of that. Yeah, that was really like absolutely dark uh, days and nights after the Revolution of Dignity. When I entered the uh, main premises of SBU, it was empty. Uh, no one deputy, no stuff like simply uh, fled uh, out of country, some of them. Uh, and 90, 90% of SBU staff I have changed. For various reasons, but the main reason because of uh, links to Russia and to Russian special services. That was uh, an easy tragedy for our national security, but it is, uh, this is true, what, what actually happened. And one more thing to mention that it was unfortunately the same time when Russia started invasion. So uh, Putin and Russia uh, knew what they did. Uh, and uh, they have pick, uh, picked up the, the time of invasion 
absolutely like uh, understanding what's uh, what is the real situation with the Ukrainian special forces, special services with the Ukrainian army. It was awful situation, like absolutely uh, destroyed and zero uh, capabilities, uh, starting uh, with uh, with the stuff. So, but within several months, uh, we in 2014. Uh, got uh, a lot of uh, young people in. Uh, I've invited a lot of Ukraine patriots. We have stopped and I've uh, abolished all this uh, USSR and communists, even uh, traditions inside the service. Ukrainian language brought, <laughs> brought back as well and many, many other things. We definitely uh, unilaterally um, denounced all the agreements with FSB and other Russian services. Can you imagine that Ukraine special services uh, had during Yanukovych time and Kushma as well uh, several thousands of uh, mutual agreements with the Russian special services on cooperation, on uh, vacation, on, uh, on whatever uh, uh, other, uh, let's say, issues. But now it's definitely the, the, another situation. So you would say, Val, that since 2014, since the revolution of dignity, when Ukrainians stood up from all walks of life and said, enough's enough, uh, you saw a seismic shift, and you were one of the leaders there, especially at the SBU, uh, a seismic shift across the country of, uh, of Ukraine declaring its independence almost all over again, and, and the processes and the procedures became independent. Um, would you characterize the last eight years as, as Ukraine's coming of age? I mean, this is, you know, you've got, you guys have fought for it. You've built it. You've changed. Um, and it's remarkable, I want to say, from an outsider's perspective, it's remarkable that after 80 years or hundreds of years of Russian domination, in eight years, what Ukraine has been able to do is it's nothing short of a miracle. Do you, what, do you, what do you think about that statement? And absolutely correct. This is really what we are going through and how our lives changed since the revolution of dignity. That's true. Within eight years, Ukrainian nation or Ukraine as a nation is absolutely a different country. One thing, plus it's absolutely European country and European nation. Definitely. This is the huge and the biggest difference now between Ukraine and Russia what uh, they have and what is happening in Ukraine. Sometimes people complain and say, but there's still corruption, especially some very strange fringe U.S. senators. There's corruption in Ukraine. And, and we point out that it, this was the history in, brought in by Russian colonialism. This was the type of governance that the Russians instilled, kleptocracies and feudalism and serfdom. Yeah. Um, and. and yeah, and, and, the, and the fact that there's still some is not a surprise. It's going to get a lot better, I suspect, after the war as well. But, I mean, the difference between corruption in, say, 2011, 2013 versus today in, in Ukraine is you can't even compare anymore. Isn't that, isn't that true? That's true. That's true. Plus, one more thing. We know what to do uh, now and further, right? even uh, during the war. We got very... Uh, powerful and independent anti-corruptional court. This is good news. and uh, It works independently. And uh, the only one thing we still lack of is the uh, effective and decisive head of anti-corruptional bureau, so investigative body and uh, oper operative body. 
that's still uh, what we did not get uh, at the appropriate level. But I think as soon as the Anti-Corruption Bureau will start uh, normal and effective work, it'll be absolutely different situation with the uh, fighting corruption, especially uh, among public servants uh, in the government, so uh, fighting uh, embezzlement and other uh, very dangerous corruption in any society and in Ukraine as well. And I think even during the war, it is even more important to fight corruption and uh, to uh, get the NABU Anti-Corruption Bureau very operational uh, and very um, uh, with the, with the results uh, for, for the uh, Supreme Anti-Corruption Court. And uh, my point of view is to get even court hearings publicly, publicly as many as we can to show for Ukrainians, for, first of all, that uh, finally, in our country, uh, corruption and corrupt officials uh, are responsible and being brought to justice. Valentin, I was just going to ask you, um, you were formerly a diplomat of Ukraine in Washington, D.C., and I think it was Sweden, was embassy representing Nordic states, and also the ambassador to Belarus. Now, when you look back in those three places, how have relations with Belarus as well as with uh, Europe, as well as with the United States. Uh, how's it changed over the past year, the past nine months? And also, you were born in Zaporizhia. How do you see the situation yeah. today in Zaporizhia? Oh, <laughs> thank you for this question. Actually, about Belarus, I know Lukashenko personally. I knew him as an ambassador in 2006, I think. Yeah, 2006. I was uh, Orange Ambassador and the youngest, I think, in Minsk, but uh, KGB of Belarus stood day and night in front of my <laughs> apartment, uh, keeping eye on me. But uh, what is happening now is much uh, drama, what happened under Lukashenko when Belarus uh, is uh, formally and de facto uh, is the co-aggressor against us, against Ukraine. It was absolutely unimaginable, but it's, it happened. And the only uh, man responsible for what happened is Lukashenko. So as a, as a former ambassador to Minsk, to Belarus, I know Belarusian people, uh, Lukashenko did uh, a lot of damage for our bilateral relations and for both uh, nations, uh, Belarusian and Ukrainian as well. And it will not pass away and it will not, uh, let's say, end uh, soon. My understanding is that uh, finally there is no any more uh, president of Belarus. The, the only ruler of Belarus is uh, Putin. And uh, the troops of, uh, and all the facilities, of uh, military facilities of Belarus is under the control of the Russian army. And uh, they are, let's say, um, they are bombing and hitting and uh, launching missiles from, from Belarus on our heads as well as from Caspian or Black Sea. So this is hostile territory for Ukraine with uh, equipped with the Russian most dangerous missile systems, uh, troops, uh, aviation, so air jets, war jets and uh, many other stuff Russia brought into Belarus. 
And that is why Belarus now is uh, dangerous for European countries and for Lithuania as a neighbor as well. About Zaporizhia briefly, yeah, I was born in Zaporizhia and Zaporizhian uh, biggest in Europe uh, nuclear power, uh, power plant is under attacks almost every day and night. Uh, Russia uh, refused to remove uh, troops and uh, armored vehicles uh, from uh, this uh, nuclear uh, power plant. This That was as well unimaginable, but it, now it's happening when at the biggest uh, nuclear power uh, station uh, is, are staying Russian armored vehicles and uh, military personnel. Uh, Magate, so this uh, nuclear watchdog uh, experts uh, visited uh, nuclear power station. But my understanding is that we need more uh, international efforts and pressure on Putin at least to get around Zaporizhia nuclear powerful plant demilitarized zone area free of any uh, military personnel, weapon, uh, weapons, and uh, any military vehicles. This is uh, what should be done urgently to avoid uh, nuclear catastrophe. Again, six blocks at Zaporizhia power station, the biggest in Europe, uh, nuclear power. Incredible. Uh, Val, just to circle back to that question, I'm sorry, I'm uh, driving in the, the country. Um, for those engaged in corruption and grifting and scamming and all that jazz, uh, is it fair to say that the SBU and Ukrainian authorities are taking down names and numbers and they'll get back to them when they can? Is that fair to say? Not SB. If, if we're talking about corruption, this is NABU, Anti-Corruption uh, anti, anti Bureau. Yeah, that's another uh, entity created in 2015. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I have mentioned that we still uh, don't feel very uh, effective, uh, the work of this bureau. But we need to upgrade to reinforce uh, this bureau to be more productive, more uh, efficient, more uh, bringing more results. And uh, let's say to the uh, to the court, not for the statistics, for numbers. Uh, what it's nothing to do. By the way, it's absolutely uh, one uh, let's say a strong side for uh, one more strong side of uh, anti-corruptional efforts in Ukraine, where that it's absolute unprecedented support and assistance. We are now receiving from the United States, FBI, from uh, United Kingdom, money laundering uh, structures, anti-money laundering structure, uh, structures, from Europe, Europol, any police. So this is a unique situation for Ukrainian uh, anti-corruptional uh, bodies to first use this international support. And the second one, to train their staff uh, up to European international standards being capable to fight corruption uh, and find out uh, whatever shell company where those assets and stolen money uh, can be uh, found and uh, get back to Ukraine, to the budget. And it's fair to say, because we get questions from people who uncover scams. You know, there are people trying to defraud Ukraine in this glorious fight for freedom. But it's fair to say that you'll you'll catch them eventually, right? If you're not going to get them now, you'll you'll find out who they are, and one day they're going to have to face justice. 
Is that a fair yes, comment? That's true. Okay. That's true. So bring them to justice. That's the main purpose. Yeah. Big or small, because a lot of people here, uh, you know, there are people that have donated millions of dollars. Like we've been here for yeah. seven months, and, yeah. and and they want to know. They want to know that Ukraine. You know, if they when they uncover any of the scams some people pulled, that you're going to go after them because that's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's the right thing to do as soon as possible, urgently. We have voted today in the parliament for to create the uh, parliamentary investigation investigative commission on humanitarian aid. Uh, by the way, in Zaporizhia region, uh, where some uh, corrupt officials from local administration uh, simply stolen. I've stolen uh, thousands of uh, tons of humanitarian aid. It's an awful story. It should be investigated and we'll make it and we'll make it public. Yeah, no, we, we've, we've encountered problems with people who try to grift and, and hand out their own PayPals to get money and stuff. So we, we actually hear at the report, none of the hosts ever uh, ask for money or give any way to send money. Because what we do is we, uh, we have one organization called MariaAid.org. And uh, you might know it has a lot of people who are very close to Ukraine, and yeah. they uh, and they and they they speak with your staff on the ground, with your mm-hmm. uh, hospital staff. They send stuff directly to to units. Um, but you do have these fly by night groups that claim to do stuff, and a lot of the listeners get upset because they 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 think they think you're being hoodwinked in some cases. But I said to them, no need to freak out, no need to be upset because Ukrainians aren't stupid. They're, they'll find out, and eventually, whoever did anything. Uh, legal or wrong, they'll face justice either in U- Ukraine or in, or in another country, right? I agree. I agree. Right. Yeah, that's great. Hey, listen, when you, let's go to, we're going to go to Axel, but uh, there is a question. You mentioned uh, Lukashenko and I love to pick people like uh, you. I like to pick the brains of people like you um, because you have that experience. I, I, I obviously, you know, I'm Ukrainian wife. Uh, I, I listened. We watch obviously a lot of uh, Ukrainian and Russian TV. And I, I wonder if Lukashenko isn't a clown. He might be pretending to be like a clown or pretending to be uh, adorable and stupid. But there was an interview he gave with a Russian uh, journalist, which I could never get out of my mind. It was probably the most na- like nauseating interview. And I felt I actually felt sorry for Lukashenko because he sounded so, frankly, kind of pathetic. He he um, asked to be a colonel in uh, in the Russian army uh, to the Russian presenter. And the Russian presenter was really confused. I'm not sure if you remember that interview. It was a strange interview. And when the mm-hmm. Russian news presenter referred to Putin uh, as Putin, uh, Lukashenko sh- snapped back, you mean President Putin. Um, why does he do that? I mean, is he, does he not have any shame? Is he, is he just saying that for Putin's consumption? Does he not have an ego? Uh, or does he like to play, um, like a, play a fool? What's that about? Real intention of Lukashenko is to survive as a, politic, a politician, as a political animal, uh, if you even want me to say directly, to survive, to get more money from Russia. Otherwise, there is no money in the Belarusian budget. To, gain, to get more military equipment and, and uh, weapons from Russia, because there is not uh, any other, uh, let's say, source or possibility to get it from any other country. As you know, Belarus is under sanctions, especially uh, regarding mili- any military uh, supply. But Belarus is the second biggest buyer of Russian uh, weapons. That's one more explanation. And the uh, most important is uh, the internal uh, situation in Belarus. Uh, the only uh, 
how to say the only possibility to, for Lukashenko to stay in power is to play all any role, even those you mentioned, uh, but to keep uh, himself uh, in power. But that, of that course, of so course, like using embarrassing Russian, yourself, uh, money and uh, support. But embarrassing that that that's the part that confuses me. It's such a shameless and obvious attempt to kiss up to Putin that 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 actually makes Putin happy to see Lukashenko embarrass himself on his national TV and 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 say that. It just seems so so bizarre and so um, you know, kiss the ring. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. That's why I, I'm I'm answer I've I've, I've, I've answered it. Uh, there is no shame. No, there is no any what, whatever um, dimension of uh, bizarre or not bizarre behavior. The only uh, reason or ground for Lukashenko's behavior behavior is to survive as a politician, as a ruler of Belarus. He'll do anything for that. <laughs> I, I'm just surprised that Putin's staff wouldn't say. Oh, Stop it, Lukashenko. Now we know you're just faking it because it's just uh, so silly. <laughs> they tried to do so several years ago. I remember as a diplomat, professional diplomat, uh, uh, the advisors of Putin uh, started uh, to, uh, how to say, to first of all, first of all to uh, name and to uh, call Lukashenko as he is, as a clone, and started to uh, not let Putin so frequently uh, even uh, meet and uh, speak to, uh, to Lukashenko. Even on Russian TV channels, they started to uh, broadcast more parodies on Lukashenko, very negative uh, news and other things. But suddenly it was stopped. I have the only explanation that Lukashenko somehow, I think, found the way to call again to Putin and to promise all USSR, Whatever agenda, United States, not not state, but United, how they call it, Soyuz Nadezhdov. That's the USSR. That's uh, United. Oh yeah, USSR again uh, to become as a republic, and uh, it uh, the Putin changed his mind, and again Putin and Lukashenko are allies. So this is not the first time, and I think not the last time. Amazing. All right, Axel, and then we're gonna have Lena and Ferlane come up. Go ahead, Axel. Sure. Okay. Once again, uh, Valentin, thank you very much for uh, spending your time with us. I mean, it's precious and it's important. Um, We all have been following the the massive amount of sifting through the networks by, um, in this instance, the current uh, security services and trying to find out who is treasonous and who is not. And then some examples stand out. What do you make of this, specifically when people were wondering as to how Kherson Oblast and Kherson City were handed over so easily? The name Andriy Naumov came up, and he was evidently found in Serbia with a little bit too much cash and a few more shiny diamonds. Uh, but he's not the only one in that Oblast. We understand from recent days that even in the state penitentiary system, um, certain agents have been placed. How do you rate what happened in that Oblast? And how did in Herson Herso- Herso- Yeah. Herso- because uh, Naumov was the, if I understand this correctly, he was once the security service chief for the SBU in the Herson region. Naumov, as far as I know, is uh, used to be the internal security uh, department head in uh, SBU. So this is the central uh, office uh, in Kiev. 
it's even worse situation with Naumov and uh, Zelensky and the previous head of SBU uh, nominated uh, him and uh, rank here gave him a rank of uh, general. So that's a crazy story. I don't know what's uh, he, he, he was elevated behind. He was elevated. If you allow me, the internal security uh, in SBU in security service. This is the most sensitive and the most important uh, department uh, because it is responsible for internal integrity, internal investigations, any uh, against the SBU officers. That's why uh, name uh, Nauma and what you mentioned for me, even more uh, uh, serious uh, sense. And I know that uh, now Nauma is in Russia somewhere. And this is very um, alarming, alarming situation for, I think, for Mr. Zelensky, for Ukrainian president, and for others who are now in the government, not to do it anymore, to not to appoint such people to the most sensitive, the most uh, serious positions in SBU. In Kherson, what happened? In Kherson region, uh, regional office of SBU and the head of this regional office really uh, uh, took over the city and uh, betrayed it uh, as well. So um, that's why, by the way, Kherson was... Uh, so easily was taken by Russian troops and Russian agents. Uh, so far, I know that uh, Kharkiv, Kherson, and two other field offices has, uh, uh, have uh, betrayed Ukraine. Kharkiv office had, uh, is detained and arrested. So far, about other people, I don't have any um, reliable information. As a member of parliament, I simply don't have access now to such information. Valentin, tell us, like for the audience, uh, I, I think I know the answer, and I think the answer is money, but is that, is that the reason why they did Let's Let's be honest. Let's call it out. Because these people mm -hmm. can't possibly think life under Putin is better or nice. It's just they're promised money, isn't it? You know, I think not only money, not only money. Uh, it's, it happened something more serious uh, if we talk about Herson, Kharkiv uh, offices. Uh, Nauma, yes, Nauma is absolutely corrupt, uh, former prosecutor related to contraband, and uh, he uh, kept uh, being uh, involved in such corrupt schemes even in SBU. This is according to our media even. It's not a secret. We are a democratic state. We know from YouTube more than from any uh, secret reports of the government. But uh, seriously about Kherson and Kharkiv, and not only, I think it's a big, big mistake uh, in human resources policy of uh, Ukrainian government and the leadership of SBU. It's, uh, for me, it's hard even to explain what uh, remember we have studied about 2014 and me myself what i did for me it's unimaginable to uh, appoint such people to become a head of uh, field offices especially in the south and east ukraine knowing that uh, russia is going to invade and this is something something very bad story but uh 
what I think is uh, sh- what should be done is proper investigation, especially on this uh, Kharkiv uh, field uh, SBU office had, uh, who is currently detained and arrested, and then to see in the court and to make hearings public to, let's say, to get more information why and what happened. Very good point. Uh, Yuda, if, um, if I may, just yeah. Uh, yeah. as a follow-up to what you just said, and I think mm-hmm. I, I highly appreciate the clarity with which you formulated this, that the administration evidently has been suffering from finding good and right people, which is, of course, given the fact that the Russian uh, Federation has been so suppressive in trying to infiltrate Ukraine, is it, it must have been hard. I, I, I grant that. I'm, I'm not criticizing it. I'm just highlighting that if it, the current administration obviously had to now file charges of treason against 651, only counting 19th of August data, that is substantial. But it shows what kind of effort Russia had undertaken in order to destabilize Ukraine. And one could only wish that uh, President Zelensky has the same luck as Abraham Lincoln had in firing his generals, because he did fire quite a number of them until finally mm-hmm. settling on ground. So sometimes you just have to cycle through them. I agree. I agree. So there's a question that's been asked. Again, I know you can't say certain things. I'm sure you're still under uh, confidentiality from your previous position. But um, we get it asked a lot. Uh, Those mysterious fires throughout Russia in the first few months and other stuff. Let's say it's not Ukraine. Who is it and why? You mean mysterious fires on on what? In Russia, uh, in the uh, beginning Ah. of the... You know, all of the, you know, either, you know, accidents or seems to be a lot of uh, fires and explosions in mm-hmm. key places, recruiting offices and uh, cyber labs. Um, I'd love to say, think it's the SBU or, you know, some, some uh, you know, Sergei Bondinenchenko, uh, 007, uh, you know, but I, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't tell us if you could, if you knew. Uh, but... I, can, uh, I can tell you and share with you what is uh, really available information that Please, it's not a secret that Russia absolutely is not a stable country and uh, uh, many and many open fires and fires especially in their Vainkamate, how they call it military or whatever um, uh, centers for mobilization they were thrown recruitment centers were under fire after the uh, cocktails of Molotov being thrown by Russian citizens, by young Russian people who did not and don't want to be recruited and, uh, and to go to die uh, in a war they don't understand and don't want. That's one explanation. Uh, the other explanation that Russian infrastructure is very vulnerable and not protected. This is the uh, several open fires uh, occurred to their uh, oil depots and some other facilities. That's definitely a Russian uh, problem. And uh, I hope so some uh, military uh, facilities and military storages were destroyed uh, by our forces. That's what I can share so far. Okay, no, that's good. A lot of people were thinking it's, uh, you know, uh, special forces. I, I highly doubt Ukrainian special forces would be in the far east of Russia burning down a recruitment center. I think it would yeah. make more sense than an angry eruption. Um, yeah. Excellent. Uh, so listen, uh, some, there's a bunch of questions. If you want to answer yes, no, no comment, 
Um, you know, uh, just uh, some. I'll, I'll add in a few uh, jokes in there too. Uh, mm-hmm. Will Ukraine win this war? Where Ukraine in this war? We are uh, in the tur- at the turning point. This is for sure after the counter uh, offense in Kharkiv Oblast, in Kharkiv region. Yeah. Yep. Plus, uh, international community, anti-Putin coalition, again and again, uh, bringing more and more turning points, and will keep pushing. That's for sure. So you believe you believe in total victory eventually at some point. Right? Absolutely, will keep pushing. Uh, Putin's Putin's threats, scare tactics or real? Scare tactics. Excellent. Uh, when it comes to uh, your your take on propaganda and disinformation, uh, do you feel that um, that that this will that it's a it's a is it something that you think will that you can't combat, or do you think that? You're winning the war on the disinformation side, especially when it comes to the Russians. We are winning this war, but we means Ukraine and anti-Putin coalition, plus NGO society, plus many, many, many other participants. So we are much stronger. Amazing. Oh, we get a lot of criticism, believe it or not, of different guests we have because... People don't like things they write in newspapers. Jason's one of them. Is Jason a Russian spy? I get that a lot. Just by people who don't like a nuanced position. <laughs> <laughs> this one more Russian propaganda. I know uh, right. Mr. Smart personally. He's a great American and great friend of Ukraine. From, by the way, civic society. This is what Russian spies and agents simply... Cannot do and and uh, don't understand even what does it mean. I find that there are some people that'll say because I don't like everything that person writes or says they must be a Russian troll. That's just not true. I said this only verifies this only proves the openness of Ukrainian society. Yeah, yes. is it not? That's true. Yeah, that's okay. true. Actually, I'm going to ask you something. We had um, we had Ilya Ponomarev on mm-hmm. and. Uh, a, a lot of Ukrainians were really interested to hear what he had to say. Some people don't like him. Some people like him. Some people look at him as an opportunist. Maybe he's just wait, he's waiting for Putin to go so he can go back to Russia. Regardless of why he feels what he feels or what he believes, we said we're going to give him the space to speak because we want to hear what he has to say. We want to hear his meetings with Lavrov. We want to hear, you know, you know, the, the, his understanding of Putin. Um, wh- wh- why would someone be, you know, isn't it, you know, the strength again of, of Ukrainian civil society? is to have these dissenting views. Do, do you think it's problematic for, for people like us to have chatted to Ilya, for example? No, I don't see any problem. Even uh, if you ask me, uh, I um, several times uh, participated uh, at uh, Ilya Panamaryov uh, YouTube channel. Uh, they call it uh, February morning, uh, Ultra Fevralia. And they do a great job. They are uh, working in Russian language and mostly I understand for Russian audience and me and other guests uh, we are presenting in Russian language truth for Russians about this war only for even for uh, this one uh, YouTube channel I can uh, say thank you to Ilya Panamaryo and he and his uh, colleagues and partners, they are doing a great job as NGOs and as independent media. So it's, it's important as well, even under an invasion, 
that Ukraine showcases to the world its ability. Yes, to, yes, to, and, to sh- and for Russia as well. Agree with me. That's that's very important for uh, for Russian uh, people to get information not only from Russia Today or whatever uh, government TV channel under the control of FSB. Let's talk to them directly and bring them the truth as well. It's funny. One of the Ukrainians asked Ilya, uh, "What's your message today? How do you? How do we? How can we talk? What can we do to help Russians who are against us uh, understand uh, and give them news?" And Ilya actually said nothing. For those ones that are deep in that hole, there's nothing you can do. All you can do is help support the Russians who who are already against Putin. What do you think of that statement? At least to start with it, but I'm not. Uh, I don't think it's uh, everything is so hopeless in Russia. Uh, sooner or later, believe me, the truth from uh, Ukraine, from uh, this war, will break the ice and will break the wall of uh, lies built by Putin and Russian special services. Do you think it will be the same as in 1991, that the Soviet Union collapsed and people just looked around and realized they were living a, a lie? Do you think that will happen with the Russian Federation? Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right, so listen, we've got a bunch of questions up. Thank you so much. I hope I hope you don't mind. I pepper you with some questions. Um, and yeah, and uh, if, you, if you if you don't mind, let's sum up on on, on some stage. I have to as well to, oh, to be back. To, no worries. How much time do we have? Five minutes? Ten? What do you have? No, wait, let's let's take five minutes more. Then five minutes. That's, listen, that's first okay, of all, yeah. I want to I want to thank you so very much for being here. We're going to go to Leonard, thank you. and then uh, we'll appreciate take one your more time. question. Oh, thank you, Val. Go ahead, Leonard. Uh, thank you, Yehuda. Um, and uh, thank you also, Valentin. You've given us a remarkable insight here into what's unfolding uh, in Ukraine and thank specifically you. specifically uh, regarding the, the uh, Kabuki theater that Putin has engaged in uh, starting yesterday and, and today. But uh, and I, I have 10 questions I could ask you, but I'm just going to make right it on. short because of time. As, and this relates to uh, Crimea. Uh, I, I just... Uh, uh, would ask you quickly uh, for your uh, prediction as to uh, as to how quickly you, uh, Crimea will return to its uh, rightful status as a 100 percent part of Ukraine. And uh, I, I just I, I note all of the support, high, extremely high level of support that has been voiced from the British prime minister on down, Canadian prime minister, etc., mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. through the Crimea Council. So just your just a very brief assessment of that, sir. And thank you for, uh, greatly for your for your comments. All right. Thanks, Leonard. I, thank, you so, thank you so much. I think that uh, uh, our counter offenses, especially, uh, of, of course, I'm talking about the Ukrainian army in east, in uh, the south, this is the first stage. The second stage, and, uh, and I think uh, we can talk about Crimea in, uh, from this perspective, the second stage will, with the international diplomatic efforts and, of course, with the military success of Ukraine uh, army, we can uh, talk about the uh, return of Crimea back to Ukraine with uh, the special status and uh, much changes in the Crimean Tatars uh, situation and uh, uh, rights in Ukraine. And uh, that's where and how Crimea will be back to Ukraine. Thank you for that. All right, so we've got uh, one more speaker. We have Lena. She is a Ukrainian activist and a professional 
in America and a friend of our mm -hmm. show. We're going to give her a quick question. That's it. The panel is closed. Uh, and we will uh, go to Lena. Go ahead. Thank you so much. Glory to Ukraine, Lena. Heroiam Slava. Thank you so much for supporting this space and for running it 24-7 for such a long time. And Valentin, I really appreciate it. It's such a pleasure to hear you and have you here. Um, thank you so much. The question I have, thank you. And the question I have is, you mentioned that uh, scare tactics uh, from side of Russia. What would you say to a person who hesitates to leverage a full support to the Ukrainian cause, citing fear of the Third World War? Uh, you know, we, you will never win the war if, uh, with the fears. You can uh, do, stop uh, the aggression and win the war uh, by fighting. And uh, Ukraine and our soldiers, we don't ask any additional troops or anything. We, the only thing we need is uh, strong and uh, long-stand uh, support uh, so far from anti-Putin coalition. Uh, and I'm talking about training, I'm talking about modern weapons, uh, which uh, all together by, by efforts of our army really uh, ch changed the situation at the front. And the, uh, again, the turning point in this war already happened in Kharkiv region. So we'll keep uh, going forward and uh, with the international support and efforts, we'll definitely win. This, this is the only... Uh, plan we have, plan A, no plan B. Thank you for that. Val Valentin, I want to let you know that you have all of our support here in this space. You have, so there much. have been tens of millions of people have tuned in and, and been affected by what we share. And uh, our goal is to speak uh, truth to power, to have Ukrainian voices and Ukrainian leaders such as yourself. Um, we're not intimidated by these fear tactics. We We see only a fraction of what you get over there. We get trolls and harassments and death threats uh but you guys are you really on the forefront of humanity the world changed on the 24th of february forever and i suspect in the end it'll be for the best i suspect uh, a russia that doesn't invade countries under the threat of a nuclear holocaust um neutered and and hopefully changed for the best for the better uh, is good for all of humanity but i want to let you know that you're you're amongst friends here and if you ever have any moments that you want to jump in you don't need an invitation come in anytime we're Marie Report. We're here 24 hours a day, okay. seven days a week, and we're glad to have you, and we want to thank you. We know that you guys are fighting on the ground, and you're measuring victory in leaders of Ukrainian blood. And we want you to know that that doesn't go unnoticed. You have our support, our love, and our admiration. So on behalf of all the volunteers at Marie Report and, uh, and Maria Aid, an organization that supports you guys directly, I want to thank you, and, uh, and, and Slav Ukraine. Thank you so much. Glory to Ukraine's hero. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. the thank time you, and thank you for everything. Have a nice day. Thank you. You too.